honesty is something that gets a lot of respect from me. When somebody is sharing something about themselves and it's not for Twitter clout, right? It's something legitimately could be construed as embarrassing. I, I'm just an admirer of that. I think it's really weird that David Shields, the author, when he wrote about the 1994 Sonics, very weird to me that he imagined himself as Gary Payton when having sex with his wife. But I admire that he shared that. I think that's great writing. I think that's the pinnacle of writing right there, that he would share such a thing. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. That's me, Al Hassan. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. That's me, Al Hassan. That's Ethan Strauss of the House of Strauss Substack. Uh, you just did a podcast with Colin Coward. You just did a post on Grant Napier, who was fired from the Sacramento Kings a couple years ago for saying all lives matter and like throwing the mic. Oh, if you don't think all lives matter, you're not a fan. Okay, sorry, you were saying it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great Grant Napier. You know how they say, oh, you're digging yourself into a hole. This dude in what is... Probably his highest profile ability to redeem and defend and explain himself. Grabbed the shovel, dug, hit himself on the head, and then while internal bleeding happened, like shoveled the dirt back. Were there birds flying around his head? I mean, and then just like scraped the rest (laughs) of the dirt on the side over himself. I'm like, how can you, how can you fuck up defending yourself way more than the original fuck up? Are you talking about stuff he said to me or are you talking about other things yes, that he said? Yes, the stuff he said to you. I'm like, I'm reading like, why are you saying this? I mean, that's why I was kind of fascinated. Um, I think the article isn't necessarily all one thing or all another thing. You know, I don't like doing PR for any particular side, but I did view him as somebody who was A, I probably should have even said more great at his job. I do think he was the best announcer on League Pass, but I also think it was part of whatever you don't agree for play-by-play. He was a good play-by-play guy. Yeah. The best? Who, who's best? The in your best? Audience? Who's best? Oh, Breen? Mike Breen. But okay, no one yeah. likes to get, but Mike Breen. I think Joe Myers is great. I think uh, at the time, now I'm trying to think about who was at the time because I don't think yeah, Joe yeah. Myers was at the time. At the time, oh no, I was at the time. It was last year. It was the bubble. What am I talking about? I, okay, so... Uh, Iron Eagle for sure. Yeah, uh, I, would say I, he's I like there. Eric Reed. I, I would say I like he's Eric there. Reed. He's in now the conversation. Like my man. He's in the he's conversation. In the con- I like my man. <laughs> my man, the fake fake George Sedano out in Charlotte. He's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know his name. I keep forgetting his name, but he's really Eric good. Uh, Eric Collins. There you go. I'm trying to think who else are other good play. Oh, Pete Pranica in Memphis. Him and Brevin Knight. That I, I like them. On the call. Okay, now you're just showing off. You're showing yeah. off the crews you know. That's what's happening. I'm sorry, here. I, he's I he's working. on a top tier. I think maybe because I'm in the particular time zone, uh, sort of the region, more familiar with the styles of Napier. What's so impressive to me how you know he's good is that there are a bunch of people, a bunch of Kings fans, who will say that they hate him for the radio show stylings. But gotta admit that guy can call a game. That guy can call a game. Mm-hmm. But I felt as though his very style of calling a game was indivisible from what got him into trouble here. He is confrontational. The style is confrontational. The catchphrase is confrontational. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA don't basketball. Like basketball. Yeah, I don't I, I don't really like that 
so I guess I don't like NBA basketball. Apparently. I'm going to stop watching this game. Yeah. NBL, that's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. That Adelaide uh, 36ers, whatever. And I felt as though, you know, people say he has no filter. I mean, this is going to be the easiest segue when we segue to Sarver yeah. later on. Yeah. But yeah. I really feel as though Napier, and I, I appreciate the honesty from him, uh, but I feel like he doesn't know where the where the boundaries are. Like he just doesn't he doesn't know. And people can draw whatever conclusion from that they draw. You know, some people would say, well, then you can't have a job in the NBA if you don't know. And then other people would say, nah, it's gotten way too sensitive. That's bullshit. Um, you know, forget about it. But how can you be in front of a mic representing a team, right? He's representing a team by being uh, a Sacramento Kings, the voice of the Sacramento Kings, and also so ignorant of your the power of your words that you could say these things. Like, it just doesn't seem like, like, I know you wrote in the piece, Ethan, like, I don't want to write it off as ignorance. Like, that's still not acceptable. To, but, but like, I'm looking at this, like, how can you be so ignorant of the power of your words when your job is to impart these words to a huge audience as a representative of the franchise? Well, I think if you've got a modality that's very narrow, such as play by play, or even a sports talk show, you know, in some cases, you're not exactly getting into all of this kind of territory necessarily. And so, but but the talk show, you kind of are. And I think the talk show, I, I was just so interested in the whole thing. I, I'm interested for him and in how he was simultaneously doing play-by-play announcing and a sports talk show that was kind of shock jockey and how the two things created problems for one another that ultimately exploded everything. That was what I was going to ask you. I know you said in the piece, there are some play-by-play guys also have drive-time radio or some other show, but none who approach it like the shock jock style. Usually it's very banal type stuff. Did you, after publishing, have you been able to identify anyone who is doing serious opinion on the drive-time show and then, you know, unbiased play-by-play at night? I mean, I know Bob Fitzgerald had a radio show, but I don't frankly think anybody was listening or, or And it. also he's not he is not yeah. one for any opinion that is not <laughs> Yes. That's not rubber stamp by management. Um, yeah. you know, nobody has approached me with any of that. We should probably do some expository. Grant Napier, uh over thirty years, the play by play guy for the Sacramento Kings, during the height of George Floyd and everything else, uh DeMarcus Cousins tweeted at him asking what his opinion was on BLM. And he responded, uh, paraphrasing that all lives matter, everyone. In a means far lance, he was handing him a shovel and was like, yes. yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, 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 what do you think about this? Oh, by the way, before you respond, here's a shovel and here's a ditch right over here. Yeah. Like, and- like not, not even like, he saw Grant Napier literally like just peering into a graveyard. Uh. <laughs> and because like, watch this. Need a shovel? <laughs> and Do I? The, it, it's so poetic because the two men hate each other and have hated each other. And it all comes back to the radio show and the way that Napier would unload on players on the radio show and then get right on the team playing and then be right sideline announcing. So I don't know. I mean – my story on it, I was just interested in it. I wanted to write it somewhat dispassionately. Some of the readers seem to like that. They say, you're not really telling us what to think one way or the other or having a take on what should or shouldn't happen here. And there's a range of opinion from the readers. But I found it fascinating because he was so 
addicted to the radio show, even though it was causing him all these problems to the point where when this happens, his main regret and fixation isn't on doing the tweet. It's on, they should have let me on the radio that day. If I had one more radio show, one more radio show, I went on the air, 50,000 watts, I could have explained it. I could have just put it all to bed. I think that's I think that's crazy, I, but I think he legitimately believes that. Right, but couldn't he just put out a statement? Why does it have to be voiced? Does he feel, feel like he has that great of a voice that he can't just put out a statement explaining himself? I think he feels that in that medium, he can connect. He can connect to the people of Sacramento. But I don't get why he thinks that's what matters. I don't necessarily think the average Sacramento Kings fan wanted him fired. I think the average Sacramento Kings fan wants him announcing their games. I don't think they really care about that tweet. There are just other considerations that got him fired. I think in addition to the tweet itself, it was just the messiness of the radio show and how it had roiled certain people uh, within the organization, people the organization was still friendly with. And uh, also, I'd say it helped deprive him of a critical mass of players who might say, hey, we like this guy because there have been players who had taken shots over the years. And they also, I think, had opinions on his opinions. So, yeah, I um, it was just to me, you know, it's been a while, but the lawsuit just came out. He's suing the Mormon church, which is an interesting wrinkle. Uh, the lawsuit strategy is that because the Mormon church owns the radio station, um, literally. And yeah, they own uh, Bonneville, bon- Bonneville. Yeah, Bonneville, Bonneville. And so his contention is that All Lives Matter is a first principle of the Unitarian Church, which I looked it up and it is so. But so there's this bizarre lawsuit right now where Grant Napier- as He's looking follower, for a religious exemption. Yes. It's a the religious exemption uh, suing the Mormon Church uh, on not having a proper deference uh, to a movement- for black people or some such, you know, you could summarize it whichever way, but I, I look at it, I go only in America, like this particular lawsuit, this particular situation. Let me ask you this, Ethan, regardless of what people had experienced in private prior to this incident on his radio show, had he ever addressed, I mean, I know he said he had like some anti Kaepernick stuff, but was his politics, I guess, on his sleeve in the radio show. And I didn't get into this, but I don't, know if his politics are properly interpreted because I think in especially the NBA world bubble, the NBA Twitter world bubble, uh, it's like if you're not if you're outside the eight percent most progressive people, you love Trump. Like that's kind of the the view of it. Kind of like I, you, right? Well yeah, that's yeah, I mean I think I get a lot of that. Um I asked him straight up. I didn't put this in the article because it was just a whole direction to take it. I asked him, did you vote for Donald Trump? Are you a conservative? I mean, I was curious about these things. And and he said no. He said he did not in uh, either of the past two elections. Now, he said he didn't vote in either of the past two elections either. He didn't want to vote no, for... No, no, <laughs> That's no, not good no. enough for old Amin. I was about to say, I'm like, oh, that's... Well, I mean, the first one, like, okay, this the last one was like, yo, a non-vote, we know what you're voting, basically. I would disagree. I would... Right now, Nate Cohen of the New York Times has said that Joe Biden has the lowest polling average in the history oh. in the history oh, no. of the country oh, at this point. You don't know, take I think, yeah. don't take what I said as an endorsement of Joe Biden. I'm just yeah. saying, given the yeah. options at the time, like a non-vote even 
you think a non-vote is the same as in the state of California where it really doesn't matter. I mean, you have to remember, you live in a state that's battleground. California, it really does not matter at all. Yeah, we save save democracy here. You're welcome. Speaking of Arizona. Oh, look at that segue. Oh, my God. Nobody gives a fuck about Grant Napier. I mean, a lot going on in the NBA these days, and sometimes you feel like you're behind and you miss the biggest sports headlines from the night before. Have you ever wondered, I mean, how what happens in the league or in the NBA might affect your bets or impact this week's bets? I'll be honest with you, man. I try. I try. I wake up in the morning. I turn on the radio, satellite radio, local radio, trying to get insights can't listen to every podcast though and every radio station tom so how do you how does one narrow it down to the information that i need to make good bets i mean there's a lot of like nightly recap podcasts but if you want one with a betting angle what you should do is relive the best in sports from the night before with bet mgm tonight presented by bet mgm i listen to it because there's just so much stuff out there that i can't possibly keep up I like that they have this kind of new age look at how to approach the NBA or any sport. Bet MGM tonight is a high energy live destination for casual and hardcore sports fans alike. It's engaging. It's polarizing. It's relevant. So get caught up in the sports betting world with a heavy dose of entertainment. Quentin Mayo, my guy Q from NBC Sports Washington and Ryan Horvat from 1250 AM The Fan and Trista Crick are joined by on-site correspondents to bring you insider information in real time. Every detail matters when making bets. Bet MGM tonight dives deeper to help give you the edge. That's right, guys. It's fun to bet on the games, but it's even way more fun. You got the inside scoop. Tune in to BetMGM tonight, presented by BetMGM. Listen on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's BetMGM tonight, presented by BetMGM. That's BetMGM tonight, presented by BetMGM. You heard it here, folks. That's BetMGM tonight, presented by BetMGM. And in case you're wondering, BetMGM tonight, presented. I bet MGM. What you didn't hear before, but what I'm going to tell you right now, you need to tune in to Bet MGM tonight, presented by Bet MGM. For the people in the back, louder. Bet MGM tonight, presented by Bet MGM. I mean, I don't know where to begin here. Uh, Baxter Holmes put out a very long and detailed investigative report. Um, on ESPN.com reporting a laundry list of massage allegations of misogyny and racism of Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns since 2004, which overlaps your time with the Phoenix Suns as an organization when you're working for uh, the Suns. Um, there's a lot in here. Uh, it's a very long report. I would encourage you to read it. Let me start somewhere. Very long report. There are people on the record. There are people off the record. A lot of stories, a lot of anecdotes. Some of them tie together. Some of them, while individually bad, don't really seem to tie into a larger story. But the one question I have is this. You guys are both reporters, journalists, have written stories, sourced materials, et cetera, right? How am I supposed to react when I see stories that I've told, and indeed quotes that are almost verbatim my quote, but I never talked to the reporter. 
I want the example. Yeah, what are you talking about? Like some of the stories, like one story that it felt like it was broken up into three stories. And I'm like, this is all the same story. Like, this is the same uh, thing. Uh, here we go. The quote, there's literally nothing you could tell me about him from a misogynistic or race standpoint that would surprise me. That is a direct quote I've said. Verbatim. And it says from a former Suns basketball executive. I'm like, well, shit, I know I didn't talk to Baxter. I didn't talk to anybody about this story. But So how does that? Ethan, do you believe in Amin right now? I believe in Amin. I'm just processing. I just, this story, it keeps going. I thought I was done with it. And then it yeah. just, I start scrolling. It just keeps going. It keeps going. You know what I like about your Substack, Ethan? Yeah, what? I like that, like, when I'm reading it, there's that little red bar. It tells me how far along I am. And by the end of it, it's like, oh, oh red bar is almost across the screen. I'm, I'm coming, done. Coming to the end. Yeah. Founding subscriber, Amin Hassan, by the way. They should have just done a, a, a BuzzFeed style, uh, 20 times Robert Sarver dropped the N-bomb. Um, I feel like that would have been packaging for the... And each each time it's got to be like, oh, I, didn't, I, was, I was told I'm not supposed to do that. And that was the last time I did it. Like, they did that like four or five times. Like, wait a second, what's happening here? He seemed to be very fascinated with the N-word, Robert Sarver. Yeah, maybe. It's an interesting situation. I'm trying to read through to the end, whatever. Like, Robert Sarver's crazy. We talked about it. We didn't even know it was out there. I mean, when you were on my podcast and Nate Jones was. Well, we addressed it because the Jordan Schultz tweet. Yeah. So we started talking about it, but we didn't, we didn't know the details. We knew that there, there was bluffing happening when it's, I would never talk in any yeah. kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I both feel that, yeah, not too comfortable with the exhuming of private communications and all of that, but that Robert Sarver this is was different. bluffing. Robert Sarver was bluffing. He was bluffing. To me, the the difference with this story is it wasn't like private communications. It's a lot of these stories are stuff that he did in front of an audience right. with no regard for discretion or, hey, this stays with us, right? One of the stories is him uh, pantsing an employee at an ALS Ice bucket challenge, which, by the way, I, I thought of Tom instantly. I was like, "Poor Tom!" <laughs> I was like, "Man, how did ALS get thrown into this story?" Yeah. So, yeah. So he gets pants after doing this employee gets pants after doing yeah. the ALS ice bucket challenge with sixty other staffers. I've watched yeah, the video, yeah. and in the video, uh, Robert Sarver's in the middle of this pack of employees, and they're accepting a nomination from the Cleveland Cavaliers or something. And then afterwards, Robert Sarver jumps into the camera and says, I nominate you, Steve Ballmer. Welcome to the NBA. And then the video <laughs> ends. <laughs> so and the I'm guy, a, he pants. After he pants the guy. And then he goes and pants the guy. Off camera. Oh, then, then he, he goes, goes and pants the guy. Is the guy, did the guy get the ice bucket before getting pantsed or is it just a random pants? Yes. No, he got ice. He got, uh, he's covered in, in freezing cold water. That's, that's when you don't want it. That's, that's when you don't want to get pantsed. (laughs) I'm really sorry. (laughs) I was in the pool. I was in the pool. (laughs) Ah, that's abuse right there. I mean, if it was, you know, 80 degrees, uh, no ice water, you know, maybe a different story. And, and the yeah. other thing here is, the other thing here is, I mean, we just had Kevin Arnovitz do a 2019 long report about Robert Sarver, which 
led the first story of Kevin Arnovitz's um, piece was ask anyone who has come through the Phoenix Suns organization over the past decade and they'll likely have a Robert Sarver story. That's the first line in mm-hmm. 2019, two years ago. Then they get Chris Paul, Devin Booker takes over and they go and make a run in the, in the playoffs. And this is where I think this is different than Donald Sterling for two big reasons. People are going to say, oh, is Adam Silver going to do Robert Sarver like he did Donald Sterling? There's two big differences between that incident and this one. One is there's nothing on tape. There's no smoking gun here that goes public and everything is he said, she said. There's no there's no Robert Sarver sounding like Shake from Aqua Teen uh, rambling about how (laughs) Magic Johnson (laughs) can't be there at the game with you. Like there is there isn't that, right? There isn't that tape where anybody who listens to it is going to have an opinion or it, it, at least there's no irrefutable evidence that he is saying these things. Whereas in this story, a lot of it is anonymous sources and none of it there isn't like a public incident that um Robert Sarver committed one of these one of these allegations, right? That's number 1. There's nothing on tape. Number 2, the Suns are the reigning Western Conference champions, right? They've had a really they, over the last what ten years. I mean, I don't know when you do it. When when do you put the Robert Sarver era? Like after Mike D'Antoni leaves? No. So this we I've talked about this before with people because Robert bought the team in two thousand and four, but the team he inherited basically was like. It was mo- all, all the cap space and the assets ready, and most of the guys were there. And then it was like he wanted Kobe, and uh, everyone was like, "Kobe's not realistic. We need to move fast on Steve Nash." Uh, and eventually, Kobe obviously resigned with the Lakers as as expected, and so uh, Steve Nash became the priority. And Steve Nash gets there, but like literally, like no part of the. It, he didn't have any part in building any of the setting the table for this meal. He just showed up and started eating. And so when you start from 2004 and like erode through everything that Jerry Colangelo and Brian had built, the bottom of the, you eat through the bottom until the bottom of the bag falls out in 2010. Uh, or not in 2012, excuse me. Cause at that point, everybody's gone by 2012 everybody who had been there for the beginning for the for the triumphs they were all gone um and now you're left with the mess so if you want to see like what robert built i mean he was obviously part of the erosion but like what he built is like 2013 i would say okay so 2013 we'll start there after lindsey hunter takes over for alvin gentry and jeff the jeff hornacek era okay yeah they have an incredibly overachieving season i would say i would say lindsey hunter lindsey hunter is the is the start explain that one my old friend alvin yeah that's right (laughs) alvin got let go mid-season even though nobody in the league thought alvin was doing anything less than what he should be doing with that collection of talent that front office whatever and so when they fired Alvin, it took them five days. Usually when a team fires a guy, and Tom Abistro is the, is the next man up, right? Even if you go crazy Minnesota style, and Chris Finch, who doesn't even work here, he's our coach, right? You got a name. You know, because you're firing this guy. So you know who you're bringing in. 
They fired Alvin, and then they conducted interviews for five days of the remaining assistants. Now, these were the assistants. You had Elston Turner, longtime NBA assistant, had interviewed for head coaching jobs several times, very respected, had been on Rick, he'd been Rick Adelman's number one guy, really respected dude that everyone thought should be a head coach in this league. You had Igor Kokoshkov, again, guy who had been assistant coach for quite a while, for at that point over 12, 13 years in the NBA, even more than that, going back to college, uh, was an assistant coach on some very successful Serbian national teams, was the head coach on the uh, Georgian national team. And then obviously we know what he went on to do. You had Dan Marley, who had been an assistant coach, I believe at the time, three or four years, and obviously a son's lifer in the organization and had a head coach at least like summer league stuff or whatever. And then you got Lindsey Hunter, who was behind the bench, does player development, and this was his second year doing player development. The first year was in Chicago, where he did only one year. And they skipped over all of these way more qualified, deserving candidates who not only deserving in terms of their resumes as coaches, but also in terms of what they had done for this organization, because they'd all been there. And you pick that guy who's not, forget about never done coaching. He means nothing to us as an organization. He means nothing to anybody here personally. Not like a lifelong friend of anybody here. And uh, Ethan, you want to tell the people what kind of coach Lindsey Hunter was since you had some experience in Golden State? Well, that's a very interesting experience with Lindsey. I can't tell you intricately what he was doing coaching-wise, but he did He did uh, want to step outside and fight me. Uh, so that was interesting. Uh, when I was holding a microphone. and Did you? Yeah, I kicked his ass. Uh, he's my That's right, moment. motherfucker. Yeah. The Strauss uh, price. The Strauss, bitch. No, I, I <laughs> Step into the house, the Strauss. Yes. I literally <laughs> said, what? I was so taken off guard by it. I was so confused because, I mean, we were covering the playoffs and Mark Jackson wanted to do a practice at Oracle, which is weird in of itself. Usually they always practice at their facility. So I was on the like center court at, at Oracle and he just kind of comes up to me and is like, I want to see you outside. I'm like what? And like, I want to see you outside. And he had sort of a little minion with him and the minion, the minion was kind of backing him up and was like, Oh, he's a little guy. And I was like, I'm, I mean, not in real life. I mean, here, like in the NBA, sure, but not, you know, yeah, <laughs> like 5'11". Consider the population. Above average. He's a solid five uh, eleven too. He's not, not no yeah. little dude, man. Yeah, you know it's. Uh, but that was kind of it's kind of where it went. And then I think the weirdest thing was after Game Seven, they lose to the Clippers, and he comes up to me, and I think he realizes that I had a microphone, it was in front of people, and he just starts apologizing and going like, I was just kidding and da, 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 da. And then he sends me an email on how it was all some sort of misunderstanding. And the whole thing was very weird because I think I was, I was still in my twenties. It is the first time I'd really ever been a beat writer. And it's just, is this, is this normal? Is this something that, that you do? And Marcus is saying, you got to use that. You got to use that blackmail tongue in cheek. I'm not saying Marcus <laughs> Thompson meant that seriously. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Not saying that, but uh, we're getting derailed though. Sarver. Yeah. One thing about the article, and I'm, you know, probably took a tremendous amount of work to do it. What's a little weird to me is that there are things in there that 
are just you can't do like that's crossing a line that's like you cannot do that but then there are other things where i go ah you know i don't know like i don't know that belongs in the same article like telling asking uh maybe you guys would disagree but i feel like asking taylor griffin if he shaves his balls because he shaves his legs okay so this is one of my this is one of my stories this is why i said like this was so the story is we're in the the and I didn't say this on Levitard. I don't know why. Like I save stuff. I save details of the good stuff right here for the basketball Illuminati insider shit. Right? Story is it's in the playoffs. We're about to play San Antonio, and uh, you know San Antonio obviously is a team that we'd had problems with years and years and years in a row. Right? So Robert said, "I want to address a team, and I want to give them like kind of like a pep talk." And he says, can you play this video for me? Hold on for a second. I'm, my phone has been fucking, it's, I'm, it's, it's, my, like, it's never on a day when I'm not working. This could happen on Tuesday when I was jerking off all day. No, it has to happen today when I had like 800 things. So, so he, uh, so uh, he, he gives a lot of money to this heart hospital, right? And in this hospital, they develop the world's first, like, portable heart transplant that you can carry in a backpack. And so there's this firefighter who was, like, the first guy to do it. And this technology was developed at this hospital that Robert donates a lot of money to. So he was very proud. And his whole thing was like, yo, even when it looked like this guy's life was over, he fought and he persevered. And then, like, in the middle, I've never been able to remember what the connective tissue, because I always told the story as, in the middle of this, somehow, he starts talking about shaving his balls. And now I remember. <laughs> the connective tissue was, because Taylor Griffin's sitting up front, like all the young guys, and, you know, he's got his legs out, and Robert looks at his legs and he says, do you shave them? He's smooth, da-da-da. And that's how it started, where he talks about shaving his balls and how much more his wife is willing to go down on him now that he shaved his balls oh okay that's an additional okay. detail right there yeah because otherwise there's a lot more detail in that conversation about his wife and her sexual tendencies now that he shaved his balls and then it turns into an impromptu survey who here shaves their balls <laughs> yeah and he goes around the room. You, oh, I don't. You, you, you don't look. Like, oh, actually, I do. It's like uh, a game of mafia. It's uh, you know what's, what? what's going on here. I I don't want to name names, but there's one name I'm going to name just because. Oh, you know, I won't name the name, but it'll be funny. Everyone will know because he's a great guy and he didn't do anything wrong. But like, Robert looks at one guy and says, "You look like you don't shave your balls." And the answer was, "Yes, man." I do all the time, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. Of course. And then when he, like, stereotypes, and again, according, according, and so, to re, according to regional stereotypes, of course. Yes. What, one of the things I want to point out that they, they mentioned in the story, and I think like Robert and his lawyers mentioned, it was like, it was a joke and everybody in the room laughed. And so I apologize if it was just meant to be lighthearted. And I'm going to say, yes, we all laughed. Not all of us. There was one person who didn't laugh and almost fucking committed murder that day. But that's another story for another day. But it was funny. We laughed, but we were laughing at him. 
it was because it was just the ridiculousness of why is this dude doing this? And it goes back to like my armchair psychology diagnosis of Robert is a guy who is never cool. And now he's got all the money, all the power. He wants to behave as he imagines the cool kids behave. Use the language that he imagines the cool kids use. But Doyle talk rules. about the subjects yeah. he imagines that the cool kids talk about. But in fact, he's absolutely mistaken. And he hopes this will allow him to be accepted by the cool kids. But he will never be accepted for two reasons. One, he's not cool. But two, you're the boss. It's the Sopranos when Tony Soprano's watching all of his guys laugh at his jokes and he realizes that they don't think he's funny. They're just laughing because he's the boss. Yes. Worse than that, because we're laughing at like, what's wrong with this weirdo? It's not even like you're the boss. But like the, the other thing is, I don't think Robert realized the thing that everybody who works, who isn't a player, needs to realize at some point. Even the former players who are now coaches and front office people. You are not a player. Yes. Right? Like, now, people like me, because I fucking had to scrap my way to get to where I, I, I knew that instantly. You know, you're, you're very aware of it. You're hyper aware of it. But, like, there are other people who get caught up thinking, yeah, this is that, and And, like I said, sometimes it's the former players. And you have to say, oh, you're not a player anymore. You can't act that way you can't joke that way you can't have that relationship with them i'm not saying you got to be like let's do this or whatever you can be friendly and all that stuff but like there's a point of no return where it's like no that's for them and we're on this side um and robert doesn't didn't or doesn't seem like doesn't realize that that's not a totally uncommon thing among ownership sometimes they want to bridge that divide people grow up Wanting to be athletes, wanting to be—it's not as great as people think it is. I mean, it comes with a little the, baggage. But the Memphis, the owner of Memphis, who had the the yeah, arm sleeve, tweeting hashtag facts only. Yeah, Robert Para. No, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never. Even Michael Jordan isn't that, right? Like, and he can't, and he does challenge people from time to time to come hoop against him, and he can say some of the words that Robert Sarver wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things I had to clarify to everybody. It's like, yo, I've never heard him use the N-word. Don't ask me. I've never heard him use it. Do you feel a little that, hurt at some point? No. Yeah, like, wow. Lack of, lack of trust. No, but I, again, it's like the yeah. same thing. Even the context within which he uses the N-word is the same context over and over again. Is I was just repeating what someone else said, and then someone has to tell him, hey, you can't say that. It's like, oh, my bad. And it's like, that happened like six times in the story. I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> You think that, everybody has the same story, including himself? Because he divulged one time when it did happen? There is this broader thing, because I do think sometimes people hide what they want to do in the taboos of the age. There is this meta issue with Robert Sarver, which is just it's just miserable to work for him. I mean, I have talked to a lot of people, um, you know, white men who hated working for Robert Sarver. And yeah. I... One interesting aspect of it is his any, cer- any any of them work in Golden State. Maybe a head coach who was like dicked over on his. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Oh, I wasn't even really thinking about him. I was just thinking about how I would go to showcase or go to summer league, and there would be some refugee from the Suns who would plop down next to me 
uh, reliably and just go like, oh my fucking wow. oh my god, oh my god, Al Bianchi, huh? R.I.P. Uh, I love I love how Amin plays this game. <laughs> <laughs> I love this game that Amin plays. Uh, yeah, it's awful to work for him. He uh, seems to abuse his power in some ways, makes things personal. The thing with, uh, you know, it seemed like he got if all is true because you maybe only have one side of the story but the example where rich paul offends him and insults him and for that reason it would seem he's demanding that earl watson the coach at the time sever ties with rich paul's agency or he's fired. i was aware of the story that's not what you do as a leader or as a boss that's not what you do because at the end of the day it's always that the insecurity of like i was the corny kid growing up even though i was rich because he grew up rich too so um the the thing that that's you know and i don't even know if this guy i said this on on metal arc i did this on levitard show i don't even know that he looks down on black people or women so much as he looks down on pretty much everybody and maybe just slightly less so upon white men but like he's He's a dude who, who eminently thinks of everybody as disposable. Oh, I mean, the line about how do I own you? Like that was. Yeah. I've told the story. I told the story on Levitard of when we were hooping and I, you know, I, I was I was guarding him because shout out to my friends who rolled pieces of shit. <laughs> they all did the not it thing. Real, they did this real quick. And I was like, why is everyone touching their nose? Uh, um, and so I had to I'll guard him. him. Yeah. How do you how do yeah, you guard so I, your boss who is a billionaire? Okay, that's a great that's a great a loose cannon billionaire, right? So like, I can't like not guard him because then it's obvious, right? But then I can't guard him for real because I'll fucking destroy him. So I got to do this weird quasi yeah. shell drill. Like I'm here, <laughs> but I'm not really. Deba- oh, you drew. Oh, got right by me. Oh, contest a little too late after the shot is going up, right? So we're playing. And we used to have this defensive set called Haslam. If we're playing a team that has a good post player and there is a non-shooter who is attempting to do the entry pass. You hear Haslam as the call and as the guy guarding the ball, you sag back right. and sit in the lap yeah. of the post player. It was because when we played Miami, Shaq posts up. They're saying like Haslam, fuck guarding you down as Haslam, drop back and and make this entry pass as hard as possible. Who had a pretty nice jumper, though. Baseline yeah, J. At the time, he didn't. Okay. At the time, he didn't. Yeah. Right? And so we would do this shit all the time in pickup. We played in this pickup game on game days before everyone showed up. It would be like 2.30 on the main floor. And it'd be trainers. It'd be uh, video guys. It'd be assistant coaches. Like, we all go in and play, get a sweat, and get, blow some steam. And so we would often talk shit through team jargon <laughs> the code language haslam and then, it's not even a code language it's just us because it's it's this insular group of people who are around the team all the time robert walks by says i want to play we do the whole touch the nose thing i didn't realize that was happening so like now i'm guarding him now so in the middle of the game with me doing this i forget because i'm playing basketball i'm having a good time robert has the ball and our director of team security i want to say was the guy who was posting up. And he was a pretty strong guy. He played college basketball. So I call out Haslam and sag back. <laughs> Robert shoots, misses, and then looks at me and he says, 
just remember Haslam has a job. <laughs> like that, I told Dan that is a very low level entry grade example, but you can see how this can escalate to I own you, and also if you don't do this shit, you're fired. This is a guy who looks at the world through that prism, whether he's joking as he was with me, although it was kind of like a, all right, wa- watch how many jokes you throw my way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was what it really was about. Like, okay, funny guy. Just remember, keep making everybody laugh and you'll be out front. To all the way up until cussing out Earl Watson and, and demanding that he resign or, or fire his agent. Yeah, because I don't know... And I'm curious, Ethan, what you think about this, because you've you've reported a lot about cancel culture and the idea of losing your job for something you say or something you do. I don't like that term, by the way. But yeah, you continue. Well, I, I'm just categorizing a, a beat that you like to cover. No, no, no. He likes the way Grant Napier calls it, the cancel culture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the cancel culture. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like cancel culture. Yeah. The, the, cancel, the culture. cancel culture. The cancel culture. I like That's so how your parents would say it too. It's just incredible. But yeah, you're saying, Tom. I don't get it. It's a weird term. Like, what is this? The culture? It, it seems like you're jamming two definitions together that just don't fit together. When you say... Like cancel and culture. Sorry, I'll, I'll I'll give it up. The culture of cancellation, Ethan. How about that? A culture. It's it, I, yeah. It drives me crazy. But Tom, you were saying. Yeah, I was wondering. What do you think the NBA does here? Nothing. Nothing. He's fine. gonna get fined. Yeah, fine. Fine. And, and at the most, at the most, maybe like a suspension a year away from the game. This is gonna last. This investigation. Apparently, they're opening up an investigation. Unless there's one thing. It's just so funny to me how the Suns defended themselves so vehemently two weeks ago. By the way, I'm hearing that sponsors had already started saying, hey, how about you just not include us in any of your marketing or co-branding? Aggregated! What we care about is the media. Doesn't fucking matter. What the fans, local or globally, doesn't fucking matter. The sponsors on some level matters, but doesn't fucking matter. What matters is those 29 people, other people, the Board of Governors, want him to fuck out of here. And that's the thing. Because Robert, beyond all the shit in the story and all the shit we've talked about for years, the other thing is there are owners who can't fucking stand up. And if enough of those guys can win enough votes, that'll fuck them over way more than the court of public opinion or any of that shit. But here's the issue that the NBA finds itself in right now. Because people say, oh, well... Adam Silver banned Donald Sterling. That's just what's going to happen in the future because he banned Donald Sterling. Well, when Adam Silver banned Donald Sterling, the NBA was the hottest ticket in town. And I believe that they had not officially, but probably at that point, it just wrapped up signing their new TV deal that was exorbitant and so much more than the last one. Now, the NBA, I'm not saying that it's all going to... It's all going to fall apart like a house of cards, but a lot of guys have taken a lot of equity lines. There was a tremendous loss of money for the season that was played, a lot of which without fans. And obviously, as I've talked about, you've got half the TV audience that you had in 2014. If you start purging owners, maybe even deserving owners, it does reduce the value of owning a team. It just does. Part of the appeal of owning a team is the idea that can't touch me, can't do anything. I'm going to give it to my incompetent son. He's going to give it to his incompetent grandson. They're going to lose a million games a year. Can't do shit about it. 
tough luck. It's mine. Fuck you. That's part of the appeal of owning a basketball team. So I don't know if the NBA is too keen on as bad as this is, as bad as it is PR wise, sending the message that, yeah, you might own a team, but if we start digging around your past and my God, I mean, what billionaires don't have skeletons in their closet, uh, it can be taken from you. Well, the funny thing is a lot of these skeletons aren't even that deep in the closet. And we talked about the owners of the Oklahoma City Thunder funding anti-gay legislation in California, a state that they had nothing to do with. Uh, we talked about uh, the the Voss family, longstanding stance against LGBTQ uh, issues. Uh, Jim Dolan made a big ass of himself last summer around surrounding, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and things like that. So on the one hand, it's like this shit ain't even much like Sterling. This shit ain't don't even need no fucking reporting. It's right out there. It's it's right there. It's on the surface. But the thing that I push back on to you, Ethan, is this. They'll get rid of the ones they deem to be a liability. Right? If, like, Robert Sarver is the meat you throw to the masses so that they it quells them and we keep moving on. Because it's not the idea of, like, hey, if someone did something wrong, obviously, uh, they all have skeletons, as you said, so they don't want to open this thing where, like, okay, we're going to look into everybody's shit. But if this one is ready-made, and it's a guy they don't like. Like, if this had happened, for example, Mark Cuban went through something similar, although, albeit it wasn't him. Some would argue that he never really went through it. But yeah, yeah, some would argue. It wasn't him. It was his organization. But at the end of the day, you're right. the owner. It's your organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did it. They did the thing. They da, 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 and then, like, Cuban's like, oh, we hired, what's her name from AT&T? And now everything's cool, Right. The owners would allow that because I suspect most of the owners like Mark Cuban. Most of the ones that didn't like him are either dead or gone, right? right. The old, old guard, guard people yeah. who didn't like that Mark, right? And all the new guys look up to him. It's like, that's, what I, that's the kind of owner I want to be like, right? So Mark was, even though his organization had a pretty dastardly history, he skated. The problem is, much like you said, Grant Napier, the problem with Grant Napier is he doesn't have the support, the critical mass of players who liked him and say, hey, he's cool, man. He just fucking fucked up in this way. This dude doesn't have the critical mass of owners who are willing to say, wait, 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 this is bad for ownership. Whereas they'll probably say, no, get this, get this motherfucker up out of here. And then like, will the heat will be off us for a little bit. And now we know everyone who's here is less likely to be a loose cannon. Because at the end of the day, the the bosses and Clay Bennett and whoever, Aubrey McClendon, who isn't even with us anymore or whatever, like the one thing you can say is whatever shit they do, they do it on a low profile. This motherfucker Robert Loud every time he does something. So, I mean, are you like a white noise sleeper? Do you need like city noise? Do you need someone talking to you as you sleep? Every night when I go to bed, I put on a DC movie. Maybe it's uh, Suicide Squad. <laughs> Maybe it's The Batman with Robert Pattinson. But I need something extremely boring to put me to bed. Wow. I can't believe you would do that to them. 
hate hard with a mean right there. There goes our sponsorship. For me, I do like the rain white noise. Uh-huh. Not just the white noise, because white noise we do for the kids, the toddlers. But I have so prioritized sleep because after doing all of these science articles on the power of sleep, and that's when you like build up all of your memory, your testosterone, like all of these hormones and all these if you're if you're working out, if you're running. You need sleep. LeBron James famously is like a big sleeper. I'm always curious when he's watching the late game. Not very often. Because you know what makes LeBron James King James I mean? Crown. <laughs> he might wear a crown while he sleeps. But it's sleep. It's those Zs. It's catching those Zs. It's catching those flies. That's right. Sleep is his superpower. And Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation. Calm has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. And I've tried it before, and man, it does help. You know what also helps is a really boring book. I get through like five pages now. My buddy, Kevin, told me, read in the morning, not at night. And I was like, I get it, but it also helps me put to sleep. The Calm app also helps. Here's what you do. Start reading in the morning. Start using the Calm app at night. Ah, yes. LeBron and Calm know one thing. Your mind is like any other muscle in your body. But you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, you reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like King James. You know, you always think that the idea is you just got to power through. You got to grind all night. Nah, that stuff is like the 1990s. That's the Oscar Robinson days, right, me? Did I say Robinson? Havlicek. Never slept. Never slept. Just powered through. Didn't believe in the power of sleep. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. As he says, quote, Getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, calm puts me to sleep within minutes. That's right, LeBron. I'm right there with you, which means I wake up ready for any challenge, unquote. So if you head to calm.com, that's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash Habershow, not Haberstrow. Haber Show, H-A-B as in boy, E-R-S-H-O-W. For a limited time, I mean, you'll not get 10%. No. You'll not get 20%. No. Not even 30%, I mean. 32%? Nope. Oh, that's the big number. 40%, that is the same. Steph Curry shooting from 28 feet or beyond. 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like those rain on the leaves. And so much more, like sleep stories, meditations, all so you can be ready for the challenges that life throws your way. I mean... For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James, yes, that LeBron James, in using Calm and get a 40% discount. That's right. I didn't believe it either. 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Habershow. Unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at calm.com slash habershow that's c-a-l-m.com slash h-a-b-e-r-s-h-o-w well what's interesting also is that uh, jeff zilgit from usa today reporting that a statement has been released from the sun's partial owner and vice chairman jam najafi najafi yeah i've been made aware of the allegations against robert sarver the conduct is alleged to have committed has stunned and saddened me and is unacceptable. 
and then says a whole bunch of corporate speak. And then he said, although today's revelations fall under the jurisdiction of the league, which decides and takes any action based on its finding, I offer my support to ensure there is full accountability. Okay, so that was the part that we didn't talk about on Levitar that I forgot because obviously the article is so long. There's a quote in there from one of the owners, one of the co-owners of the Suns. And this is also setting up something that I've known about for a while, that there is, has been... A faction of owners to oust Robert Sarver. Internally. The call is coming from inside the house, yes. Internally. They've wanted to get him the fuck up out of there. And there's over 20 owners in the, in the, something Partnership, like that. I mean, yeah. Like, again. Well, it, I, I don't know if people understand that like Robert Sarver is the owner, but that does not mean he owns a hundred percent. He's the managing partner is what he is. That's, that's actually his title is managing partner because it's a bunch of them. He owns the largest share. But it's not, I don't even believe it's like 51% even. I think it's, or maybe it is, I guess, because then they would have just banded together. Um, yeah, so it's, it's there are a bunch of, but like, again, there are people who wanted, want him out. What's interesting about Najafi's quote is that it is contradicting what James Jones did, right? And what other people below him who didn't. Well, hold on, because there's two things going on here. One is you can't fire John Najafi. You can fire James Jones. And James Jones knows it because he saw it happen to Earl Watson, right? That's one. Two, and this is more important when you're talking about this shit. Look at what James Jones said, and I'm using air quotes for the people who can't watch this because we don't ever post it on YouTube. That statement is short as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And writ- written in massive legalese. I don't know. I ain't see it. I ain't heard it. I don't know. Not this coming in a statement, right? Like this isn't someone who's getting out there and say, Hey, that's not the Robert Sarver. I know like in front of a camera or a microphone or even a statement. even Jason Rowley, who's the, the president of the company and is also a lawyer, by the way, he, he, he was the legal counsel when I was there. Um, his shit is like a paragraph long and very detailed. Uh, Ethan, you remember we're like, yeah, why are you specifics in a fucking denial? It's so specific. Here's the James Jones quote. None of what's been said describes the Robert Sarver I know, respect, and like. It just doesn't. That's the quote. That's it. That's the statement from James Jones, the general manager. It was surprising to see something similar from Steve Kerr, who who doesn't really have much reason to defend Sarver. Uh, The Kerr quote was in the Baxter article, and I wonder, I wonder, is Sarver a different person with different people or is it all day everyday sarver i mean all day everyday sarver and sometimes without being specific about anyone's statement sometimes you say not my circus not my monkeys and keep it moving my name's bennett my name's bennett and i ain't in it my name's paul and that's between y'all some that's some people's approach and then there are people like me who put on goggles and like a swim cap and go (laughs) you're out of my (laughs) steve kerr telling espn i never saw anything that suggested racism or misogyny and i was very surprised to hear those allegations because that's not the person that i know very similar maybe a sentence or two but similar to james jones right again so it's like for steve kerr and also for anybody who's a who is an employee of this league whether you're a former player or not. We see this time and time again. Everyone loves the whistleblower when they blow the whistle. And then when the whistle stops blowing, it's like, oh, by the way, you'll never fucking work in this business again. 
Mm. Right? Like, we see it again and again. Yeah, yeah thanks for bringing this to our attention. Also, never again. You think so Watson the is going to be that guy? Well, I mean, he's he's an assistant on yeah, Nick Nurse's on, yeah. staff. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Where's Corliss? Do you guys? Because Corliss was the other guy who went on the record mm-hmm. with with a story in there. Um, I I don't know. I applaud them for their bravery because the history of the world with regard to whistleblowers is, yeah, like thanks for the message. Also, fuck you, messenger. And, and so. There is also an element when James Jones, obviously, current employee of Robert Sarver, there he has zero incentive to be like, that's right, he said that shit, right? But Steve Kerr, as someone who still has to work in this league, who, Ethan, do you think he's going to retire the head coach of the Golden State Warriors after, like, a long popovich career? Mm. If you have to put your money on it. If you have to bet money. He would say no. Steve Kerr. Okay. I mean, he has said no. I still got to work somewhere. It does not do me any good to put on alert to all of these other franchises. Oh. That's the guy who comes out and says shit that we're up to because everybody has skeletons. Yes. And there's a, 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 a an omerta at work here that even if you get fucked over, you don't say it out loud because... All it does is let other people know, oh, when he gets fucked over, he talks. Mm. Yeah. And the, and the assumption is, for all of us, we're going to get fucked over at one point or another. Which is why, when I started my career at ESPN, one of the questions they asked me was, how do we know you'll be truthful and honest? And I said, look, man, I'm not going back. Like, it would take an incredible amount of circumstances for me to go back. So because of that, I have no fear in telling these stories and criticizing people and doing all the things you wonder why other people don't do that shit. Cause they're all trying to get the fuck back in. Yep. And in this case with Earl Watson, yeah, it is. We appreciate your candor. We appreciate your honesty, but when people are going to be making these decisions about hiring a, a head coach, and if that's what he wants to do, um, I do think they're probably going to think about that. That's just, that's just how they're going to go about it because although, <laughs> Earl Watson does have an ally in this story that is very powerful in the NBA too. Is Clutch Sports? Man, let me tell you something. Clutch is powerful, but like when you talk about going up against those thirty individuals, there's some power that's does not supersede that. Because the idea isn't that did Earl get fucked over or not, or even do we like Robert or not. The idea is you spoke, you put your name on it. That means you'd be willing to talk again. That's that's the idea there. That's the fear that they're operating under. Not whether Robert deserves it or not. As, as we just said, 29 of these guys might all hate him. And he might be out as a reason because of that. It's the idea like, okay, moving forward. That's why I said we applaud the whistleblower until the whistle stops blowing. And it's like, I'm not going to touch that motherfucker. You're not riding in my car. You're not getting, you're not, you're not right. You're black with me. You better walk home or whatever. Because part of the thing too, that's difficult to articulate is that, um, it's not only that they have skeletons in their closet. It's that the NBA, as I've said before, and Sarver is another level. Like Sarver is special. They're not all like Sarver, but it's not like when I worked for Yelp, it's a very different business environment. People have kinds of conversations that would not be okay to have 
uh, when I worked at Yelp. Some people would say, well, they wouldn't be okay anywhere. It's like, you got to understand that sports, professional sports is a little bit different of a context than corporate America. But, you know, uh, you put some of that stuff out there, you, you put it out for the public consumption, it could go, it could go bad. So yeah, I think that they're all, they're not trusting none of these guys who run a team or at least are interacting with people or all that trusting that they've been completely clean and will be completely fine in a scenario like this. Right. And, and as soon as the, I think ESPN also reported that they were open, the NBA was going to open up an investigation and I'm sitting here like, I'm pretty sure that the league was already opening up an investigation. No. Did they need? Did they need to investigate that Donald Sterling was a racist? Or did <laughs> yeah, they have, like, like like looking into. They have to publicly say we are now opening up a, an investigation into Robert Sarver. But like, I picture the Twelve Angry Men lawyer who's having to turn the jury that Donald Sterling isn't a racist, and he does it by the end of the movie miraculously somehow. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Was it Jimmy? What was it? Jimmy Stewart? Maybe. Who was that? Oh, is it Bogart? Was it Bogart? Who was it? I'm looking at. No, up. wait. Oh, no, actually, it wasn't lawyer because Twelve Angry Men were like. They Fonda. Was, the, was it Fonda? I think Fonda. It was Fonda, but he was a juror. He wasn't the he wasn't a lawyer. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the whole uh, thing the happened juror, inside yeah. the. But uh, uh y- you know, it's crazy because in all these cases we already know, but you can't say we already knew because that would indicate you knew. So they're like, oh yeah, we got to uh, investigate, investigate. Also, the leaks that Mike Bass said no one made any complaints via the whistleblower anonymous whistleblower. And I thought to myself, does anyone ever do that? Does anyone ever? Because I'm going to tell you right now, like technically I could have done that. I don't know where the fuck to find that line. Where am I supposed to find that line? Is it posted anywhere? I've been in in break rooms at NBA arenas and and in NBA offices. I've never seen a whistleblower line. I've never received any sort of communication or anything like that. Say, hey, if you need to talk to somebody about this without letting anyone know who you are. So it's just like, it's one of those things like, oh yeah, all you have to do is go to uh, one Olympic plaza, go down to the sub-basement uh, B3 and go to window 13 and request an anonymous uh, form and there's a bunch of check boxes in there and then drop it off. Like, well, what good is it if no one knows where it is or how to access it or believes in the sanctity of the an- anonymity? Yeah, there's a lot in this story about if you knew something, don't go telling anybody about it because HR is not on your side. You know, like no no one who works for Sarver who's getting Sarver's checks are going to stick their neck out to defend you in in this space. So um, the other thing, I mean, it's just <laughs> the last year's postseason run was so crazy. The Suns, they went from one of the worst teams in the league and then in two years, boom, they're in the NBA finals. And you can say all you want about the – uh, the bubble and the pandemic and just all these things and injuries that had to work out perfectly for the Phoenix Suns. But I do think that that's, an, it's a, that's a factor here is that, oh, definitely. Adam Silver, if they didn't make a run and Chris Paul wasn't the, the face of that, that team, this thing gets a whole lot easier for Adam Silver. But now you have the Western Conference champion. You have Chris Paul, who's the, the, the president of the Players Union. Or I guess outgoing with CJ CJ McCollum. This gets a lot murkier for. There's not a cut and dry move here for the for the NBA. Oh, Suns fans have hated Sarver for years and years and years. I almost feel like if this if this comes out like a few years ago, they're 
providing some momentum behind get this guy out of here. They don't love him today, but I just feel like there's less impetus because suddenly the Suns are good. There's a worry that if I support this, will this derail this fleeting goodness that we've gotten after a long, long decade of crap? Right, right. Like, it's not even about saving Sarver, not saving Sarver, but like, if we get Sarver up out of here, is that going to disrupt so many things that it'll it'll affect the impact what's happening on the court. And remember, Mark Cuban said, back when Sterling was let go, Mark Cuban said, again, there's no excuse for his positions, he told the Associated Press. There's no excuse for what he said. There's no excuse for anybody to support racism. There's no place for it in our league. But there's a very, very, very slippery slope. But regardless of your background, regardless of the history they have, if we're t- taking something somebody said in their home and we're trying to turn it into something that leads you to be fo- being forced to divest property in any way, shape or form, that's not the United States of America. And I don't want to be part of that. Mark, by the way, Mark Cuban said out loud the thing that I was saying at the time. When people, when I have my friends, particularly my non-sports friends, ask me like, yo, what's going to happen? I said, nothing. Everyone knew about this for decades. It's been out in the open. He's had like discrimination lawsuits uh, again and again and again levied against him. Like, we all know this. This isn't a big deal. And the owners aren't going to vote him out because if they do, then what happens when we look at what they're up to, right? When we start to look through them, through their dirty drawers or whatever. And then lo and behold, I was shocked. I was shocked all the time. Like, oh shit, they really got him up out of here. Okay. So here we are. And and that's the thing I didn't factor in is that it, they would have protected an owner that they somewhat liked or tolerated, but they all fucking couldn't stand the dude because he was the absolute worst. And so not just the worst as a bad human being, just the worst as a business partner. Partner, He's a bad business partner who's bad for business and they got him up out of there. And so that's why I say right now, what happens to Robert has very little to do with what's in this story and everything to do with these motherfuckers want him out or not? Because if they want him out, this is exactly the opening they needed. Thanks a lot. Get the fuck out of here. If the relationships are strong or whatever, it's like, all right, well, you know, who among us hasn't made an off-color joke or pantsed an employee in front of a bunch of people? It's a strange thing to do. I'm just, I'm still, I mean, pantsing, how do you, how do you pants your employee? I'm just, it's weird. Dude, when it's I tell you, thing. like, I wasn't there for that, and it's like, yes, he does that kind of shit all the time. His entire concept of being cool is like watching Saved by the Bell or some shit. Like, what do kids, the cool jocks do? They pants the nerds. Yeah, they pants the nerds. And then they talk about, oh, how much sex they're getting. Yeah. yeah. I shave my balls. You wouldn't believe how. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at this picture of my girl. Isn't she so fucking hot? I'm going to rail her late. Like, that's what he thinks. Oh, yeah. They'll like and respect me. <laughs> going to rail her with my shaved balls. Oh, yeah. You know, like fucking Will Ferrell. And I've worked whatever. for someone who is like that at the workplace. At ESPN, actually. Yeah, Mike. Just way over the top off color stuff. I was going to make a joke and then I realized, wait a sec, what if that's the person? And then I just yeah. stopped. Yeah. And I was like, Chris. <laughs> Can't believe Chris Ramsey was was like that. No, I'm just joking. No, I was, yeah, no. Yeah, so I was, Ramsey. I was, God bless. What was him. what was the one that, that 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 said her goal was world domination? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember oh my this. God, I've worked for so many incompetent but people this is, in my lifetime. This man. is before this is before I became like a writer. This was before I made made the move over to this the is, writing side. 
Oh, this is when you were uh, Staten and Pope? Yeah, yeah. And like you would you would laugh at the jokes, but only because you're all unpaid or you don't you're not making any money. And so it's like that's your boss. Right. And so you kind of have to like chuckle along because you don't want to get fired. You like the job you have and you're just starting out. So getting pants by Robert Sarver, um, David, the 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 account manager who was pantsed after doing the ALS ice bucket challenge. I don't blame him for not reporting that. That, the, the Rob, Robert Sarver is the owner, the billionaire owner of your team. He said it and he said it. He said it in the thing. He's like, I'm 25 years old. He's, and he's not like an exec. What are you supposed to do? He's like entry level or some shit, man. Like, well, yeah, what am I What am I supposed to do? I did find it funny. The story starts on October 30th, 2016. Warriors Suns, I thought. Amin, was that the game we went to and the night before no. we went to pizza... Pizza Bianca's Bianco Bianco. It might have been. Oh no, I think about it. yeah, Pizza Bianco. Was it the night we went to after wow. Bianco? Maybe, maybe it wasn't. I'm trying to think because I don't want to get it confused with the night in 2014, where I uh, I saw like Steve and Alvin and everyone. And I was like, Yo, you have one one mission to just like destroy this team. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for years. Just go out there because what you guys represent, you represent for all of us. Go out there, destroy them. And they came on a big lead. Then they blew the lead and they lost. And Steve started the press, the post game press availability. Do you remember what he said? He looked at me. And he said, "Sorry, I mean." <laughs> and then he, the... oh, it was like the home opener. I want to say, yeah. or now the home opener here in Phoenix. Yeah. No, it might have been. We'll see what happens because now they got to do press availabilities. They canceled press availability today. Uh, Chris Paul, what he's going to say, because he's not anywhere in this story, in the report. He's nowhere to be seen. The players are all going to say, not my circus, not my monkeys. Monty Williams, who's been through a lot in the coaching profession and now has to be the face of the team because James Jones doesn't talk to the media every day. It's, it's Monty Williams and Chris Paul. And that's another thing in this story that, uh, I mean, the idea that he can't be racist because look at all the people, all his black friends, um, and look at the people I hire. That seems to be a trope of of racism. Grant Napier did the same too, right? He did. Ethan? He did. He doesn't know it's out of fashion as an explanation. Look at all my black friends that I have. Um, even though Boogie Cousins and Chris Weber and Matt Barnes all seem to have things that they uh, are holding back from from divulging, but they have their reasons why they don't like the dude. I hope Tom's trivia is how many black friends does Grant Napier have? Usually Tom's trivia is about the guests, so it would be how many black friends does Ethan have? At my wedding. <laughs> yeah, at his wedding. <laughs> If you haven't listened to it, I, it's probably down from the internet now, Woo! The Trial of Ethan Strauss. Spoiler alert, one. One of the best. <laughs> and he made him work it. <laughs> it, was a very, it was a very small wedding. All right. Tom's trivia. Here we go. Ethan, I just, I just met Zach Harper and, and, and invited him to the wedding. <laughs> like, oh, is Zach Harper, is it? Yeah. yeah what's come on. going on over? <laughs> RSVP, RSHME VP. Like, we don't need these formalities. <laughs> Since Robert Sarver took over as owner of the Phoenix Suns, they've had nine different head coaches, including interim head coaches. They are not the highest mark in the NBA. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me to name them. Who has the highest mark of head coaches since Robert Sarver took over in 2005? 2004, 2005 season. Okay. Which franchise 
has the most head coaches since 2004-2005, including interim head coaches, which is key. You want the three? Let's hear it. Knicks, Timberwolves, yeah. Kings. Knicks, I mean, three for three. Timberwolves, Kings. That's pretty damn good. Three for three, right? Well, don't the, didn't the Knicks for a while always have uh, Herb Williams as the interim? So does that count as more? I think this is multiples. Yeah. yeah. It, and by the way, if you if you circle back and you coach again, uh, I believe it's the Lionel Hollins. Um, th- that that counts as a different head coach. It's not the same head coach. Yes. All right. So the Herb Williams adds the tally. Because he kept getting rehired as a correct as New York Knicks and the Minnesota bench. Timberwolves. Amin is correct. Those are the two highest teams in coaching turnover. Uh, Twelve different head coaches for both of those franchises. New York Knicks, Minnesota Timberwolves also has twelve. Sacramento Kings are tied for the third place, I guess you'd say, with eleven. Memphis and Brooklyn are the other two teams that have eleven. How many does Phoenix have? Nine. Nine, right? Yeah. Can you name them, Amin Hassan? Go ahead and keep your hands in the air so I can see it. I was going to name the Nick ones if you wanted. Oh, wow. Well, let's do the, let's do the Suns real quick. Okay, Suns. All right. So he took it to a – so 04 – so technically we're not counting Frank Johnson who was fired the year before right. in 03, 04, and Mike D'Antoni took on his interest. So Mike D'Antoni. Correct. Ding. Terry Porter. Ding. Alvin Gentry. Ding. Lindsey Hunter. Ding. Jeff Hornacek, Earl Watson, Jay Triano, Igor Kukoshkov, um, um, uh, who was the interim when Igor got like, oh shit, or was it Jay? It was Jay. Well, Monty Williams. That's correct. Oh, that's nine. Yeah. That's my fault. Yeah. Yeah, All nine. right. Good job. You want to do the done. Nick ones now? Yeah, let's oh, do okay. the. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Knicks. 2004, I'll start you off with 2004 just so you can get your bearings here. You can see the trailhead of Lenny Wilkins starts the season after being the interim head coach after Don Chaney was fired and Herb came over. Herb, then Lenny Wilkins. And then Lenny Wilkins started the following season in 0405. Go ahead. And then Herb, and then Herb took over. That's right. When Lenny got let go. Then Larry Brown. Yep. And then uh, Isaiah Thomas. Ding. And then after Isaiah Thomas was Mike D'Antoni. Ding. And Mike D'Antoni was Mike Woodson. Ding. After Mike Woodson was Derek Fisher. Ding. After Derek Fisher was Kurt Rambis. Ding. After Kurt Rambis was. Ooh. Think Suns. Also with the Suns. Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn. That's correct. After Jeff Hornacek was Mike Miller. Ooh, but who did Mike Miller replace? I mean, Mike Miller replaced interim. Who did Jeff Hornacek? Oh, oh, our guy. Oh, Fizz. Yep. Fizz. Then Mike Miller. Then whoever's in. Oh, Tips. Yeah. That's pretty good, man. That's impressive, Ethan. Right? That's incredible. Let me see, let me see if I could do Kings. Let me see if I could do Kings. Oh my Kings. god. No. This is crazy. What? Rick Adelman? No. Rick Adelman was 0405. Cuz Rick 0506 was the last year they made the playoffs and that's when Rick Adelman left. After Rick Adelman Tyrone Corbin? Let me just name names. Okay, yeah. Not in order. I, I'm I'm fine with that. Uh right. Rick, Adelman Rick Adelman and Tyrone Tyron- Corbin, go. 
Tyrone Corbin, George Carl. Correct. Uh, Mike Malone. Correct. Uh, um, Bobby Jackson? No. Oh, Bobby Jackson wasn't it. He was on the staff, but he was. Who was the interim? Oh, uh, Paul Westfall. Correct. Um, Keith Smart. Luke, Luke Walton, Keith Smart. Yeah, Former Memphis nah, coach. Dave Yeager. Oh, Yeager. That's right. Yeah, Yeager. Yeager bomb. Uh, and, oh, Reggie Theus. Reggie Theus. Wow. Forgot about Reggie. Kenny Nat was his replacement. Don't even remember. Don't even remember Kenny that. And one year, uh, I believe he's at Arkansas now, University of Arkansas. Eric Musselman. Yes, Eric Musselman. Yep, yep. He had a DUI, didn't he? Uh, don't recall. But that is the Sacramento. I mean, you're very good at that. The coaches you have, you have a Jamal Crawford like ability to recall yeah. head coaches in the league. Congratulations, it's, that was great. It's, it's amazing. It's some I don't. Yeah. Um, the Timberwolves now? Uh, if you want, there's only one team that obviously has one head coach over that time. That's the San Antonio Spurs. But there are three teams who have only had three coaches. Dallas. Correct. Miami. Boston. Wow, dude. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Goddamn. That's goddamn incredible. Ethan, where can they, get, where can they find your work, my man? Uh, Substack. House of Strauss.substack. Uh, you know, subscribe today. I will say I do stuff other people don't do. How many of those coaches did we name our subscribers of, of House of Strauss? Don Cheney strikes me as a guy who's <laughs> everything that you do. GMs are more likely to subscribe, I would say, okay. than coaches yeah. are. Because the co- coaches are worried about their fucking jobs, Tom. They don't have time to read yeah. Ethan's musings on Grant fucking Napier. <laughs> but uh, quite a few GMs subscribe to House of Strauss. I will say that much. Uh, you know what I enjoy? I enjoy the comment section of House of Strauss. Yeah. A lot of times these people add a lot. Like the whole like Carmichael Dave mm-hmm. has completely like <laughs> painted himself as this leftist hero now. I love my commenters, man. My commenters, they're also not angry. They're not crazy. They're pretty no, reasonable. It's just informative. Right? It's they're not a sewer like it usually is in comment sections and, and replies on the, the internet. And Ethan, those are your bosses. Yeah. My subscribers are my bosses. Of course you love your bosses. Yeah. I do. They can make me shave my balls and advance <laughs> me. <The> subscribers. <laughs> they hold that power. All right, Amin, go answer your texts. Thank you, Ethan, for joining us. Everybody, thank you. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but the NBA is back. Oh, the NBA <laughs> is back. It is back, I mean, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting 17, wait, strong starting five. Basketball, man. It's five starting five. It's basketball. Don't they have 15 players on the roster and then a two-man, two, two-way contract? Yeah, the two-way guys are not the key to victory. The key to victory are the strong starting five. And Tom New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. How about that? Wait, $5 and 
If they win, you get $200 in free bets? Yes, sir. That sounds like a steal. Like a Jimmy Butler steal and running in transition and throwing it down. Are you back on Heat Island, by the way? I mean, I never left, baby. I never left. And so I'm going to make my roster Miami, 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 Miami. That's me. That's what I like to do. But DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with same game parlays. That's right, Tom. You combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable resource. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So here's what you got to do. What I got to do? Tell me. I mean, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Boom, done. Use promo code HABERSHOW. Spell it. Not Haberstro, not my actual last name, but this program, Habershow, bet just five dollars uh-huh. on any NBA team to win their game, and guess what you win? Two hundred dollars in free bets. Two hundred dollars in free Oof. bets. Ding 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 ding. And if they win, guess what I mean? You win with promo code. What is it? Habershow. Habershow. That's H A B as in boy E R S H O W. Do that this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. And Amin, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you take us out with that lovely fine print. Oh, man, I love when the lawyers get involved. Hey, guys, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.